as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. should be a little bit better. So as we get started today, now that I've turned on my microphone, I just want to note and acknowledge I've actually had some people mention it to me, and I just received a text a minute ago from the Martens family. Um, so, but yes, today, uh, today marks one year since our brother Terry Heyer went home to be with the Lord. So again, Terry, who regularly sat at that piano, who played for us, who led us unexpectedly to us, but not unexpectedly to God, went home to be with Jesus. And so I've been texting back and forth with Diane this morning. I've been in touch with her all week. And so, again, your prayers and your encouragement to her have been priceless. And so I can encourage you to continue such. But, friends, as we remember our brother Terry, we also remember the hope that Terry had. It's the same hope that we have. Friends, it's the hope that this is not the way it's always going to be. That, yes, for right now, death and sickness, and COVID-19, suffering, separation, estrangement, pain, sin, yes, they have their way. But friends, it will not always be this way, for Christ has risen victorious. And because He's risen victorious over sin and death and hell, friends, He will return one day, He will make all things new. And it will not always be this way. We long for the day when Christ returns and He makes all things new. When He returns and He wipes every tear from every eye. When suffering and sickness and pain and COVID-19 and death are no more. We long for that day. And we hope for that day. And we hold to that day and that hope. And that's what sustains us in the midst of the world in which we live. In the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of suffering. In the midst of loss. We hold to the hope of Jesus Christ, risen and one day returning to make all things new. Our hope, friends, is the resurrection. That was Terry's hope, and that is our hope today. And friends, we cling to that hope in the midst of uncertain times and an uncertain life. And I feel like that's just a good reminder as we get started. That's the sermon before the sermon. But today... We're talking about, we're speaking from the passage that Ashley just read for us from 1 Peter chapter 2, 
And friends, we're reminded here that church is not a spectator sport. Church is not a spectator sport. I looked up and Wikipedia says the spectator sport is a sport in which the average person cannot take part due to barriers to entry, such as a high level of training required or specialist equipment. But friends, church, church is not a spectator sport. Because the training and equipping required for participation comes not from us, but from the Holy Spirit who dwells in each one of us. For those of you that have been recruited by God the Father, who've submitted to Jesus Christ as your captain, and been filled with and fitted by the Holy Spirit, you're equipped to play. So, friends, church is not a spectator sport. And if it's not a spectator sport, then the question that you and I need to answer is, What should I do? What's my role? What should I do? I mean, a few weeks ago, I told you that when I teach our Next Step membership class, I use an article titled, Three Questions to Ask When Choosing a Church. And those three questions are, what do they believe? How do they behave? And what should I do? And so, you know, many weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I'm sorry, January 10th, We discussed the importance of what do we believe, and we discussed and gave a 30,000-foot view of what we believe as a church. Last week, we discussed how do we behave, and we summarized three key verses, all of them commands of Jesus Christ, that help inform how we behave together and also help to inform the revision, the recent revision of our church covenant. And those three verses, as we discussed last week, were Matthew 4.19, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The prayer of Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then finally, John 3:14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And last week we considered that how we behave as a church is determined by our identity, who we follow, by our involvement, what is our fight, what is worth fighting for and living for. And finally, our investment, who is our fellowship. And you can go back and re-listen to last week's sermon if you missed it. But we've discussed now what do they believe, how do they behave, and so today we come to that question, that final question, what should I do? What should I do because church is not a spectator sport and every one of us is called to get in the game. Ashley read for us from the Apostle Peter's first letter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And in that section, Peter is writing to the church with the intention of helping people understand what it means to live as the people of God. He says, you guys have been called by God You've been saved by Christ. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So now what should you do? As God's people, what should you do? And Peter says, church is not a spectator sport. He says, church is not something that the elite few do. It's not reserved for those with special training. It's not restricted only to those that have a unique equipping. We all have a part to play in what God is doing. And Peter uses two images. Two images in this passage to to make his point. The first one is the image of living stones. 
built together into a spiritual house with Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, every stone plays a part in the structure. And any missing stone weakens the structure. You know, the the building that God is building is not made of only select stones. It's not made of only special stones. It's not made of only a particular type of stone. The building that God is building is made up of all of the stones that He has selected, that He has quarried from the mines of sin, and He has brought to build together into a house. Every stone has a place. Every member has a part. And so, friends, the question is, what should you do? And I just want to note about this passage. I mean, we read it. We sang about it in multiple songs. I hope you heard it. You know, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the house. Peter talks about it. We sang it multiple in multiple songs of worship today. We are living stones. We're being built together into a house. What God is doing, we're being built together into, and Christ is the cornerstone. Peter quotes for us from Isaiah 28, Psalm 118, and Isaiah 8 to make clear that this promised and yet rejected stone has become the cornerstone of everything that God is doing. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of everything that God is doing. And friends, in ancient building, the cornerstone was the most important stone because it was the first stone to be laid and all of the other stones had to be lined up to that cornerstone. So so it was the, the one that started it, that set it in motion. It was the one, the reference point by which all other stones had to be aligned. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of what God is doing. He's the cornerstone of what God is building. And friends, we, and ultimately all things, are going to be aligned to Jesus Christ. That's what we open by talking about. That's our hope. Friends, right now, this world is out of alignment. You only need to turn on the news or pull up your Facebook feed to know just how out of alignment this world has gotten. But friends, our hope is it won't always be this way. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, the the Lord is going to bring all things into alignment with Jesus Christ. And He's starting by building for Himself a people. a, A holy building of living stones with Christ as the cornerstone. And one day, He'll bring all things into alignment with Christ. Christ is the standard. Christ is the authority. Friends, Jesus doesn't align to us. Jesus doesn't align to our desires, to our culture, to the intelligentsia, to the spirit of the age. Jesus has come to align us and one day all things to himself. Friends, too many of us, too many of us are tempted to treat Jesus just as a stone. Many in the world often treat Jesus as just a stone. One of many great teachers or religious figures or philosophers by which and to which you might align your life. But Scripture says, no, 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 Jesus isn't just a stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the stone. He has come to reorient us and ultimately all things to Himself. So what God is building, what the, world, the Lord is doing in this life, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of it all. And ultimately all things, 
all things ultimately will be submitted to him and aligned to him, to Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone. And friends, now, today, is the day to answer in your life if you've never answered. Is Jesus Christ just a stone? Or is he the cornerstone? If you here in person or tuned in with us online have never answered that question, friends, that is the most important question. What is your cornerstone? Is Christ your cornerstone or is he just another stone? Is he just one of many stones in this world? Is he just another authority, another priority? Or friends, is your life, your values, your decisions, is everything reoriented by him and to him? Is he the cornerstone? Is he your cornerstone? What does your life reveal? So it tells us that, Peter tells us here that Christ alone, the cornerstone, has been laid. And ultimately, Jesus has come to align us and ultimately all things to himself. And then from this cornerstone, the church is being built and every stone in that building has a place in what God's building. But but as Ashley read for us, living stones being built into a house isn't the only image Peter offers us in this morning's passage. And, and perhaps more pertinently to us and, and to the discussion that we're having today is the second image that Peter offers us in our discussion of what should we do. And the image that he offers us is the image of a royal priesthood. Now, in the Old Testament, the priesthood was a special class of persons. The only ones who could be priests were unblemished males descended from the line of Moses' brother, Aaron. These priests offered the sacrifices before God. They approached God on behalf of the people. They worked for and before God. They interceded for the people. They taught others about God. They proclaimed and praised the Lord before the world. They were a special class of persons set apart for His work. But now... Peter says, it's not that way. It's not just a special class. It's all of us. This church thing that God is doing is not a spectator sport. Everyone is called onto the field. And we see, starting in verse 5, he says, You yourselves are like living stones being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Friends, the ability to approach God offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Him, to work for and before God, interceding for others and to interceding for others to God, teaching about God, representing God to the world, proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. This is not just for a special class of people. It's for all of us. It says that Christ has come to make us, His people, into a royal priesthood. This is not going to be a spectator sport. You are all a priesthood, he says. For me, before me, you all have a part to play. 
You know, priests in the Old Testament would bring animal sacrifices before the Lord to cover our sins. Well, friends, the gospel, the good news is that that's no longer necessary because Christ has offered himself as the perfect, the final, and the complete sacrifice for our sins upon the cross. And he rose victorious three days later from the dead, victorious over sin and death and hell. So we know this sacrifice has been accepted, that Christ has been heard, and that we can have forgiveness of sins and life everlasting with Christ. So no more are animal sacrifices necessary to be offered, but we as a royal priesthood still come and we offer sacrifices. No longer animal sacrifices, but rather we offer sacrifices of praise, of gratitude, sacrifices in response to what Christ has done. We find in the Scripture that we offer a sacrifice of our bodies in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. We offer a sacrifice, the praise of our lips, Hebrews 13, verses verse 15. We offer a sacrifice, the work of our hands, Hebrews 13, verse 16. We offer a sacrifice, the fruit of our labors, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 20. And even those who we help lead to Christ are, Christ are a sacrifice of praise, Romans 15, verse 16. Friends, these are sacrifices that can not only be offered by a certain class of people. These are sacrifices that are to be offered by all as a royal priesthood. We are called and we are able to offer such sacrifices because church is not a spectator sport. And so the question is, what will you do? What will you do? This doctrine, the, the priesthood of all believers, is why last spring, just a little bit less than a year ago, during the height of the lockdowns, it's what allowed us to proclaim to you, friends, that church was never canceled. Church was never canceled during the lockdowns. It was just scattered. Because there has not been a single day and there will not be a single day that coronavirus or any other power is going to cancel church. The church, the people of God might be scattered. Our large gatherings might be hindered. But church itself can never be canceled because you are the church. And if you are all believers are a royal priesthood continually offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, then whether we're gathered or scattered, church, the people of God, is not canceled. And the movement of God is not stopped. Church, you can access God and serve God directly without a pastor, a worship leader, or any other intermediary. You can worship and serve God without a large worship gathering. Now, these things are all good, and they're helpful, and every one of them has its place, and we are grateful for all of them, especially for the pastor. We are grateful, little joke there, we are grateful for all of them because they have their place. But friends, we've got to remember, it's not just a spectator sport. You don't show up on Sunday morning to watch the game, to watch the pastor and those up front play. We all have a part to play. We are a royal priesthood. And even when we have access to a pastor, a worship team, or a large worship gathering, we still have a part to play because church, being the people of God, is not a spectator sport. So what will you do? What will you do is the question. And friends, today, now, now is the time for commitment. And next week we're going to talk about 
a time of recommitment. You know, as we said back in the fall when we began discussing our church covenant revisions that we voted on in December, those things to which you commit grow and they will grow you. Friends, the things to which you commit will grow and they will grow you. You know, give, give you an example. Do you know what I got for Christmas? You know what my family bought me? For Christmas, my family bought me a green unicycle. Yes, I really did. They bought me a green unicycle. Why? Why did they buy me a green unicycle? Yes, Hannah was instrumental in it. For years, I've talked about saying, you know, I think I'd like to learn how to ride a unicycle. Because I can already juggle. And if I learn how to ride a unicycle and juggle, I can finally run away and join the circus. But the fact is, the unicycle or any other skill is not one that you just hop on and ride. And so you practice and you fall quite a lot. And you get back up and you commit to it. And I still can't do it yet. But once the snow leaves, thanks for laughing, Hannah. I appreciate that. Thanks for your support. Once the snow leaves, I want to keep practicing, and one day I hope to confidently ride my green unicycle through downtown Camden, because I think that would be quite funny. But friends, the point of that is, that to which you commit grows. If you want to grow a garden, commit to it. If you want to lose those COVID-19 pounds that you gained during quarantine, you know that you've gained the COVID-19, and you want to lose those, commit to it. If you want to write a book, or play an instrument, or learn to learn a skill, or pay off debt, or grow your savings, or improve your marriage, friends, commit to it. Because what you commit to will grow. What you commit to grows. And more than that, the things to which you commit will not only grow, they will grow you. And I've told the story before that in 2017, Abigail started running with the Girls on the Run program. I started running with her. And I've kept running since then. And now, a couple of marathons later, I'm still running. And at some point in that journey, I crossed the line from being a guy who goes out running to a runner. My identity changed. Because, friends, what we commit to we both grows, but it's also going to grow us. And it's going to grow us into an identity. Who we are and who we're becoming are determined by our commitments. Your commitments, your promises, the ones that you make to yourself, the ones that you make to other people, the promises you make to God, these things to which you commit are going to grow, and they're going to grow you into who you're going to be. So Chestnut Street, recognizing that church is not a spectator sport, confessing that we are all a priesthood of believers, and that all of us are called to be actively engaged in the game, we need to commit to it. We need to commit to it. And what you commit to will grow, and it will grow you. And so it is next Sunday, February 7th, as Kevin said, we will have a covenant renewal celebration. Now, what's that? Well, you know, it's kind of like when, when a couple who's been married for a number of years comes together and they have a, a renewal of their vows. They, they generally come forward, with, gathered with friends, and they, they remember together their promises. And, and they celebrate and they recommit themselves to the promises. Now, it's not that they create something new in doing that. They're simply reaffirming and remembering what it is. And that's what next week's celebration is going to be. Because each one of us, when we became members at Chestnut Street Baptist, we entered into a covenant together. We made commitments taken directly from Scripture 
that we're meant to illustrate, inform, and guide our life together as a royal priesthood. Now, I know some might still balk, well, why do you have membership at all or a church covenant at all? I mean, isn't it enough that I have faith and I've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and I've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit? Isn't it enough that I attend services regularly and I serve faithfully? Doesn't that make me a member of Christ's church? Well, yes. Yes, it does make you a member of Christ's universal church. But the question that we're asking today is, what makes you a part of a particular church? A particular local expression of Christ's church? And the answer has generally been, through the ages, a church covenant. Promises that you make to one another. You know, back in the 1600s, as Baptists and Congregationalists were growing here in the new country, and churches unaffiliated with the Anglican Church or other established denominations were being established, the question was, what makes a group of people a church? As we're starting to affiliate, what what makes us a church? And the answer that they came to was a covenant, was the promises that we make to one another. In 1649, Puritan ministers Richard Mather and John Cotton wrote that church cannot be established merely on a profession of faith, attendance in services, or baptism because none of those make a person a part of a particular church. What makes a person a part of a particular church is a covenant, a promise to be the church together. They make a covenant with each other to be the church. They commit to one another before God, to be the local and particular expression of Christ's universal body. And that's what our covenant is. It's promises, a commitment that makes us a church. It's promises that we make to be the church together. It's promises that guide our life as a priesthood of believers. Because that to which we commit grows, and it will grow us. So this covenant renewal that we're going to discuss and that we're going to celebrate next Sunday is a remembrance of the promises we made and a recommitment to one another to grow as a priesthood of believers. It's a recommitment to find our place in the house that the Lord is building. It's a recommitment to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, as Peter writes. Because church is not a spectator sport. We're all called to commit. We're all called to promise. We're all called to give. The church covenant is a beautiful picture of what we believe Christ is calling us to be and to become. What he's calling us to make and into what he wants us to be made. What he's calling us to grow and into which we are to be grown. And so next week we will celebrate our covenant with one another to be Chestnut Street Baptist Church. This local expression of Christ's universal church. We'll remember the promises we've made to one another. We'll recall together what it means to be a priesthood of believers. We'll recommit ourselves to those promises, remembering that this is not a spectator sport. And our commitment will grow Christ's glory and will grow us ever more into his image. So together, we will make and we will be made. And our church covenant offers a beautiful picture of what that looks like. And so, friends, the question for us today is, what should you do? And the answer is, commit yourself. Commit yourself. Now, I know time is short, but maybe there are some here who've not taken the step of church membership, and maybe you want next week's covenant renewal celebration to be a covenant commitment celebration for you.
Maybe you want to talk about church membership, and I would be glad to talk with you this week or talk with you so that you could become a member sometime in the very near future. Or maybe you're a regular attender with us, and for reasons of theology, differences on a particular secondary issue, you've never taken the step of formal membership. But we recognize that you stand with us, and we also stand with you, and you know who you are. And if you're a member of Chestnut Street Baptist who still has questions about the covenant revisions that were approved at the December business meeting, I invite you to contact me to talk this week or join the elders for a Zoom meeting this Tuesday night at 6 p.m. where you could ask any questions that you have about the covenant or the renewal ceremony coming up on Sunday. It's the information for that meeting is in the bulletin and will also be emailed out on the email list by Kevin this week. And finally, friends, if you are a member of Chestnut Street, then we hope you'll be here to celebrate either online or in person. Just as when a married couple renews their vows to one another, this renewal is a joyous occasion. It's a remembrance and celebration. It's a time of looking back and of looking forward. And if you have not done so, members, I invite you to spend this week reading prayerfully through and reflecting on the promises of the church covenant. Ask What's the Lord bringing to the forefront to me as I read these? Is there something he's trying to say to me? Is there something more that he wants me to do? Is there somewhere, somehow that he wants me to grow? And come next Sunday with this covenant fresh in your heart and your mind, ready to recommit and to celebrate with one another before the Lord. For it will be a time of celebration and rejoicing. And after we reaffirm our covenant with one another, friends, We'll come to the Lord's table at the end of the service and we will celebrate the Lord's covenant with us that was made through Jesus Christ, through his death and through his resurrection. So friends, what will you do? What will you do? Because church is not a spectator sport. And so every one of us is called to commit ourselves. Commit yourself to the Lord, to one another, to live your part as a royal priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And join us next Sunday as we celebrate what the Lord has done and will yet do in us and through us as we grow and are grown by Him. And so, friends, what will you do? I'm asking that. Let's close in prayer. Father, grow us. Grow us into the image of Jesus Christ. Grow our fellowship that we might be strong, that we might be a representation of who you would have us to be, that we might truly be a living structure made up of living stones with Christ our cornerstone, that we might be a people who declare your worth, who sing your praise, who offer acceptable sacrifices. Father, make us. Make us into your image, to reflect your glory. Lord, use us for your name's sake, for we commit ourselves to you and to one another in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Please stand and sing with us in closing, O four, a 